0: Hello, and welcome to Gays on Film. This podcast is where we, a pair of gays, talk about what we're watching. I am Declan.
1: And I'm Ned.
0: And in this episode, we're going to be talking everything 2022 (gasps) in this special review of the year episode. We'll be talking spoilers throughout, as always, so proceed with caution. We're going to go with, you know, TV highlights, biggest... (laughs) Disappointments mm-hmm. Um, Queer representation As we we're a gays on film podcast And then to round off the episode We are going to do our top 10 films of the year list
1: Exciting Well I can't wait to get stuck in
0: I know So initial thoughts on 2022 um, And what I mean by this is Obviously this is the most normal year Post pandemic
1: Hmm
0: in the COVID era of cinema, I would say we've kind of, you know, yeah, it's the most normal year. I have been to the cinema, let me see how many times, let me see how many times. 76 times.
1: I don't know how to check how many I've been. Well, I just write them all always... down,
0: don't I? Yeah. So I'm sure it's similar because we it go. Won't be that far off. No. And then, how many films have you watched on your last oh, box now? Let
1: me just consult. Let's, um,
0: let's consult the box.
1: So, I do think before midnight tomorrow, we might squeeze one more in. Yeah. Maybe. But as it goes, right now, I'm on 171 films watched this year.
0: And I'm on 125. Wow. So with lots of films. I was
1: hoping it was looking like at one point in the year that I'd make it so that I averaged one every other day for this year. But I've fallen about 12 short of that.
0: But that's your goal for but 2023. But that can be my
1: 2023 resolution. And we are moving
0: in together this year, next year, in 2023. And we keep mm. talking about how we'll come home from work and we'll just say, should we watch a film? Should we put a film on? Might be even more than one every other day.
1: Well, I was listening to the Letterboxd podcast a couple of weeks ago, and they did say how some of them were averaging like two and a half films a day. And I just thought, that's ridiculous, but at least I can aim for one every other day. Yeah,
0: yeah. You know, we've not seen everything, but we've given it a good go. Um, There's some that we've missed. But yeah, I mean... I am a little bit worried about the future of cinema, though, if we're talking cinema trends. Because all I'm going off that is, in 2019, pre-pandemic, I think nine films hit the worldwide billion-dollar mark. Mm -hmm. And so far, well, it won't change. We're on three this year. Let Um, me see if I can guess. Okay.
1: Top Gun Maverick. Yes. The Batman. No. Oh. Avatar, Way of Water,
0: yes, Uh, and one of
1: the Marvels.
0: No, no, the ever faithful Jurassic,
1: Jurassic World. Yeah, but got to a billion. Yeah,
0: only just, but God, it just kind of—it always makes lots of money. The Jurassic franchise. Well, people people love love a dinosaur. Yeah, so that's why I love you. (laughs) Is that the only reason? Um. Yeah, it's interesting to see. Like, I would say, MCU has underperformed this year. You know, for Thor: Love and Thunder not to hit eight, even eight hundred million worldwide is not that great. But none of no Disney films, apart from Avatar, which is now owned by Disney, have been released in China. So if they'd have had China releases. They might have got a bit. You no, know, they'd at least probably got yeah. at least another 100 million. But the highest grossing MCU film so far has been Doctor Strange and the Multiverse of Madness.
1: Do you think, just thinking about that Disney, pie-in-the-sky thoughts, have not seen anything about it, whether Disney's improvements as far as queer representation go are limiting its audience worldwide. Horribly, yeah. yeah. But there's
0: been some massive, massive flops this year as well, box yeah. office-wise, like Lightyear...
1: Oh, that's such a shame as well. because I actually do loved very well, it. I
0: know. Strange World, I mean, that massively flopped for a Pixar film. The thing
1: is, I think a lot of people now see a Disney film coming out and think, can't wait for that on Disney+. Yeah. So they're not going to go that's to the cinema. That's what I mean
0: by trends. Like, I think a lot of, especially with the cost of living crisis as well, mm. I think people are getting a lot more selective, especially with Disney. A lot of their films go on Disney+, 30 days after cinema release. And I think... <sighs> It's taking away the rewatchability as well. Whereas before, you might have you really loved a film, you might have gone and seen it at the cinema two or three times.
1: There are very few films I've ever done that for.
0: No, but a lot of people, mm. a lot of people do. Yeah, and I just think if you think it's going on Disney Plus in thirty days, then you'll watch it once on the big screen. Yeah. and then save it for later. So streaming is completely changing, especially now all the studios seem to I have think- their own.
1: It's a very good opportunity for us to advocate for people to get cinema memberships, though. Yeah. Because it makes going to the cinema so much more accessible. And a membership for your local cinema is not as expensive as the four or five streaming memberships you're going to need to see all of the same films. And you get to see loads of stuff you wouldn't choose at the cinema.
0: But all I would say to that is... Movie studios just need to release more films into cinemas as well. Well, they do, yeah. Because if you look at how we discussed about Avatar, the way of water, and when we were like, oh, is that all we've seen in the cinema? So the last film we've seen in the cinema was Avatar, the way of water. and Before that was Matilda, the musical. There was no real kind of counter-programming.
1: I mean, there were extenuating circumstances for some of that though.
0: But if you think in, so let's look at Christmas twenty nineteen. Okay. So I, I've enlightened you about how in America <laughs> the Christmas week, week and a half is the most lucrative period in the box office. Yeah. Right. If we look at what came out in December in twenty nineteen, okay? So the biggest the big the biggie mm. was Star Wars, um the rise of Skywalker. But as counter-programming, the, you then had 1917, Little Women, Cats. I mean, that didn't do very well. I never but bothered. at least there was other options, you know what I mean? Like you could, oh, if I don't fancy there Star was something Wars. There was for everybody. Yeah. Whereas this year, it was like you either went to see Avatar or, or, you, didn't go at or all. you didn't go. So I do think studios need to be a little bit, oh, in 2019 as well, you also had, which did come out earlier than Star Wars, Jumanji The Next Level, which did make You know, that made $800 at the worldwide box office. So there was counter-programming as well.
1: Is there anything to be said for the fact that it does take a couple of years to put a good film together? And if things were stalled from the pandemic, which they probably still are, because a lot of people still have to take time off work for being sick with COVID, don't they? Yeah. Even if there's no lockdowns, it still slows stuff down.
0: And I also think the habit of going to the cinema... And it broke people, yeah. Yeah. Changed people's lifestyles a lot. 100%. I think not many people have fully clicked back into how they behaved pre pandemic. Yeah.
1: I mean, I just wanted to sort of maybe try and give studios a bit of credit and say, come on, we're still here, ready and waiting for when your films get back out. That's what I mean. You know what I mean? Like maybe next Christmas, we'll see a bit of a better recovery because this is only really the first post-covid christmas well
0: that's what i was going to say i do very much think 2023 it'll be the big test for mm. cinematic experience and yeah the first episode that of next year that we're going to do is going to be looking at what's coming
1: i'm excited for that episode because i always love trailer trash or treasure because i love like looking forward to the next big thing and i think if we can get a whole year of next big things to look forward to um Yeah. It's going to be exciting.
0: I mean, even if we look at Christmas next year, the the next biggie is... The big one for next Christmas is Aquaman 2. But then you've got counter-programming. God,
1: I'm going to have to do a full, like, DC watch.
0: You won't. DC's changing. I wouldn't bother. All I would do is I would... If there's a sequel coming, Mm -hmm. I'd watch the first one. And then after all these... I'm almost concerned about how these DC films are going to do if people kind of know that... Well, isn't it James Gunn? Yeah, no, but if people kind of know that, what's the point in watching these if everything's going to get canned and and remade? Or, like, it's going to reboot itself? But next year, so the biggie's Aquaman, but then you've also got Wonka as counter-programming, The Colour Purple, Mm. which is, even though there is a film, The Colour Purple. So we've got,
1: let me just go through this, we've got Aquaman Superhero, yeah kind of superhero lovers out there yeah Wonka, as in like Willy Wonka.
0: yeah with timothy chalamet as, as Wonka. nice so it'll, musical. Have,
1: it'll have the musical lovers going those that love our timmy and family i imagine it'll be quite a family thing yeah color purple a bit more gritty
0: well it's an ad- adaptation correct of the musical version of The Colour Purple. Oh, interesting. So is it a musical? Yeah, because right. we've already got a film, The Colour Purple. Well, yeah, I know. But, not... um, but yes, it should be. And then apparently there's going to be a sequel to Ghostbusters Afterlife at Christmas next year. Was, oh, the, and...
1: was Afterlife the one we saw last year? Yeah, with... Yeah. Um, with all the kids. Yeah, and yeah. it's
0: got Paul Rudd. Yeah. Yeah. So... Next year I think will be the big test for Hollywood and how how does streaming find its home up against cinema? Mm. You know, do we get used to there's big tests next year. But I just wanna yeah, you've said it you've said it well. Get a get a cinema membership. Like we've got a Cineworld that we use which is local. Audience have is it limitless, I think they call it, Odeon. an audience. That sounds right, yeah. Yeah. So they've got their membership or yeah. Yeah,
1: House has one. Um, View View doesn't, doesn't, but tickets are quite cheap anyway. Although, actually, I was doing the maths, and I don't think they're all that cheap. If you want to go and see this, like, go and see as many films as we can see. Yeah, I know. Like, they're good because we've got another one local. It's good to go to View to see the ones that Cineworld doesn't get in. Yeah, but if I was to go to the View as much as we go to Cineworld, I think it'd
0: start costing me quite a bit. Yeah, I agree. But, um, yeah, there's lots. There's lots, but we're not going to get into next year's films until the next episode. Yeah. But I just wanted to kind of comment on... twenty. So, but if we were going to rate 2022 as a whole for kind of film and TV, mm-hmm. would you say it's been a good year? Have you been... has there been big disappointments? as there...
1: I have... Experienced a roller coaster of emotions this year. Yeah. From watching TV and film, which I suppose means it's been a good year.
0: Yeah. I would say that the cinematic experience with Top Gun Maverick and Avatar the Way of Water. And the Batman. Yeah, it's highlighting what you go to the cinema for. Yeah. And I just think studios need to. Re- kind of think, right? What are people gonna leave the house for mm. or what if that what are they gonna um stay like stay at home for? But then, you know, we're big cinema people, we're gonna go see most things at the cinema. I saw like an argument for Avatar the Way of Water is like go see it at the cinema for God's sake. Oh, like, it absolutely. It's designed has to be. for the like, cinema.
1: It's such a waste to wait until you can see it at home. Yeah. When but then the cinema has the three D experience in full, all the sound, just it's just fantastic.
0: Yeah. But, and then someone said to me, no, I listened to the Empire podcast and they were on about a film like Aftersun, mm. a really small, intimate film. Yeah. Could you have watched that at home? Absolutely. Yes, of course you could. But if you think about it, I would say if I'd have sat and watched a film like Aftersun at home, I'd have been distracted. I might have looked at my phone. I might have... Do you know what I mean? That's
1: why I make a point of putting my phone on Do Not Disturb. You're better I mean? at that than I am me. But like at than after you.
0: sun, you sit there, and after and when it finishes, that whole just sitting in the dark and yeah. and watching it, it films stay with you. I always argue that going to the cinema and making a bigger deal of going to see something on the big screen makes a film stay with you a lot more. Well, it makes than... you
1: appreciate it as an experience, not just as a like a. Time killer, you know what I mean.
0: Yeah, and every single one of our top ten that we'll discuss later on in the episode, we saw at the cinema. That which must is say in, it is interesting because there's been amazing films on streaming, and there's quite a few that will be in our um, honourable mentions. Honourable honorable mentions, but yeah. I just think when you go, it makes it more of an event, and you discuss it more. I think when you watch something at home, you like, oh right night then, and well, you I don't also really. Think...
1: Watching something at home, like you might find that it's a perfectly good watch and you might get an emotional response from a good film. Like After Sun, if you concentrate on it, where, whether you're at home or the cinema, is going to give you some emotions. But the fact that you're in a room of a bunch of strangers all watching that film and all taking something from it together is what makes going to the cinema special for me. Very much so.
0: So, shall we move on to looking at film from a queer... Film and TV from a queer perspective this year? Yes, let's. We are, after all... A queer podcast. podcast. I'm just going to throw out a load of TV and films that we've highlighted as they were either a queer film or they had good queer representation. So, are you ready?
1: Are you just going to run through them all? I'm
0: going to run through them all and then we'll discuss. Nice. Okay? My Policeman, Strange World, Fire Island... In From the Side, Wildhood, those last two, we have done interviews with the directors if you want to catch up on some older episodes. Um, Bodies, 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 Everything Everywhere had queer representation. Joyland, not had a proper UK release yet.
1: But we did see it. But we, at we did the see Film, it at Festival. Film
0: Festival, and I think it's getting a proper UK release next year. Wow. Bros, Glass Onion, and then in the TV kind of space of shows we've watched, Four Lives. Hacks season one and two, Heartstopper of course, The White Lotus, and then TV, a lot, a lot of queer representation that wasn't necessarily. I think TV's better at at it as a whole. Yeah, because even though a show like I don't know, Derry Girls, doesn't isn't necessarily a queer show, it does feature an openly queer character and all of a friend supporter. Oh, yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. So I do think t- TV is better. Well, there's
1: also kind of hints of it in She-Hulk. Yeah. Bisexual character. Stranger there. Things. Stranger Things. There's talk of Will things. being gay. There is. I feel like that's going to come out next season,
0: though. Yeah. Um,
1: did House of the Dragon not have anything in there?
0: It did. Did I it? I think, yeah. I know, um, yeah. The boys.
1: Although representation in the Game of Thrones
0: thing isn't always of the best quality. No. But I think didn't you read an article that queer represent, representation hadn't been that good this year?
1: Somewhere, yeah, someone Wasn't somewhere, it attitude said, or something. Yeah. And like in spite of all of the good queer content we're getting this year. Um I can't remember exactly what it said. I should have kept hold of this article cuz I couldn't find it again when I looked for it. it said something like um, in spite of all that it's still actually less than it was in 2019 or 2020.
0: Yeah, I do think if I, I, I mean, ever since Netflix came about as mm. a thing, mm. quite often I've had conversations to say if I'd have been at younger when Netflix came about and the amount of queer representation that they have, oh, I'd have come out long. Before I'd have come I out did. longer. Uh, Where? What did you say there? Sooner, I did. Yeah. yeah, than I did. Um, I probably wouldn't struggle with internalised homophobia the way I have because you actually see positive queer role models more than just kind of Graham yeah. Norton on a Friday And, night. like, you
1: don't have to do so much working it out for yourself. Like, you can see what people have already worked out and then work out the rest that works for you. Do you know what I mean? Like,
0: imagine a show, like, watching Heartstopper when you were about 12 years old. Oh, my God.
1: It like, makes me feel about 12 when I watch well, it. Well,
0: exactly, and I just think it just would have been so transformative for so many people. So mm. I think TV is amazing for it. I mean, we've seen some four lives was kind of a a harrowing account of what what happens when queer people aren't taken seriously on tv not on tv i'm saying in real life in real life but it was a tv show yeah um there was a great you don't watch hacks but there was a great episode of hacks season two which was set on a lesbian cruise ship and it was brilliant like Mm. so good um only murders There's in no the building. Ships.
1: Could be lesbian.
0: <laughs> that has kind of queer character. I think Selena Gomez's character is queer, isn't she? I don't she, know. I well, she dates. She dates a woman. Cara Delevingne's character in season two. It's so a shame. yeah, um, and just kind of, it's it's a shame to see where you can understand. So if you look at the risk of putting a queer character in a film you can tell why films don't do it as well Mm. because they're worried about making dollar at the box office yeah whereas telly doesn't really matter and then a lot of the queer films that we've seen this year have either gone straight to streaming or they've been at a film festival so or they've not done so well yeah so my policeman straight on amazon yeah strange world flopped I don't think that was to do with the queer representation though, because it really, in. really flopped.
1: Yeah, that's nobody knew it was coming out. Yeah, I, I actually loved it. I thought it was really I good. Yeah.
0: But like Fire Island, yeah, that was a streaming film, and but... that
1: was like that wasn't made for mass market either. Like that was definitely made for gay people.
0: Oh, one hundred percent. I I think I commented after that. Like, if I'd have watched that with some straight friends, I think they, they would have got it straight over the head. Like, lol. They might the have part.
1: probably enjoyed it, maybe, but I don't think they'd have got it, depending
0: on who. Maybe. And then it was such a shame to see Bros flop the way it did. Oh, I know. Because it was great. It like, had
1: everything I a good rom com needs. Yeah, and it was topical and informative and insightful
0: i mean what did it make i mean it did awful really really bad so it was budgeted at 22 million and it only made 14.8 at the worldwide box office oh so office. it didn't even break even no so like if a studio is going to use that as well we're not doing any more queer rom-coms then that that's what they would use for it which... i
1: implore studios to allow a few more teething problems. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, they're in a perfect position because there's a shit ton of money in the movie making business, isn't there? Yeah. Like, they can afford a couple of flops just to get people used to seeing queer content at the cinema.
0: Yeah. I remember seeing Bros, like, I knew Bros was coming a long time before it it came out. Yeah. Pardon the pun again. And it was just... um, yeah, I don't know. It's a sh- real shame. And then I do think they can do better with casting. So, you know, we've just watched Glass Onion. It was our previous episode. It was very obvious now that Benoit Blanc is a queer character.
1: Spoiler alert, if you've not listened to the previous episode or seen the film.
0: Yes. Although it wouldn't ruin the film, would it? Cause it's been no, it wouldn't, but it is a nice being... little surprise at the end. Yeah, Um. but I don't know, like, I'd like to see more queer people, actors, like, actually. And I don't think it's an issue if a straight man plays a gay man. I don't think that's a problem. I think when it comes to trans characters, it does become a problem because I remember watching that. Because it's often caricatured. Well, I even remember watching that documentary on Netflix. I
1: want to say Disclosure, but I could be wrong.
0: That was it. Yeah, and I'd never thought of it before, but a lot of those trans voices were saying things like, "When a let's say a trans a, a cisgender man plays a trans woman, it almost adds fuel to the fire of the trans debate because, oh, Eddie Redmayne's playing a woman, he's not a woman, so well it makes for
1: people who are already struggling to break down a binary view of gender." By having cisgender people play trans people, it is so blindingly obvious that they're in a costume. And for those who can't break down the gender binary in their normal life, they will they get used to seeing transness as a costume rather than as a way of being. Yeah,
0: yeah, that's very well put. Thank you. You could have put that... I could never have put that as well as you did. Um. So, yes, I would like to see... I would like to see uh, studios continuing to put queer characters in and not just *Ala Thor, Love and Thunder, where, oh, we've got gay characters in this. Oh, turns out it's just a rock.
1: And do you know why as well? So, it's not just because I like seeing gay people on TV and we've got this whole agenda to take over the world, which, by the way, isn't a thing, just no. for any of you who are unsure. It's because every time... The more diversity... Queer stories we see in cinema and in T V like it I feel like I grow spiritually because I'm experiencing a greater sense of what queerness is in the world. Yeah. And it feel makes you feel much less alone every time.
0: And a diverse set of queer voices as well, not just that. Which is really important. Oh the you know, so it's not just like a, every gay person's existence is exactly the same, mm. because it's not. Mm. And I think the media... I even think LGBTQ plus media outlets need to be better at that themselves. Yeah. You know, being gay isn't about having a six-pack, doing yeah. a load of poppers, But that's whatever. another thing as well. But,
1: like Media outlets, as with film studios, are there to turn a profit as much as they are to... Reveal stories and show truths and things, and unfortunately, in the social media world we live in, the best-selling stuff is poppers and six packs.
0: Yeah, but I think there's, I think there's a real, there's a real new generation of filmmakers out there that want to tell these more diverse stories, but because everything else has already been done from the not diverse,
1: well, stuff, exactly, there? there's nothing left
0: to tell. I know. So So diversify, it makes it so much richer. And like, so Strange World's queer representation. Mm. I had a bit of an issue with it. Because I thought they made his love interest almost look a bit genderless. So... Why is that an issue? Because make him look like, if you're going to have a gay character... Make him overtly male. Why? Because. Break down the binary? I know that's breaking down gender binaries, but I just think if they're saying all this big thing, but then when you saw the character and his love interest, that could have been a woman, a non binary person. Yeah. Which is fine, but they're saying it's a gay character. So I thought they almost played it safe with the look of the character, because if a kid saw that, you'd be like, oh, it's a a girl.
1: Maybe they did, but lots of queer people look genderless.
0: I know, but do you get where I'm coming from?
1: I think I do, but I don't think it's the right focus. Yeah? If you're gonna, I don't know. Yeah. It wasn't where I was expecting your criticism to go, actually. Oh, really? Mm.
0: I will say, and we spoke about it already, Joyland, which hopefully will get a, a wider release in 2023, having had Fantastic. runs at different film festivals throughout this year, is one of the best queer films I yeah. think I've ever seen. It's, it's a layered, Pakistani film. Yeah, it's got uh, gender... Uh, it, like, it focuses on a transgender character... There's all these nuances of kind of how a gay man who's attracted to a trans woman and what all that looks like. And I just think, For God, me, it so was so bold.
1: It was a really good dissection of what it is to exist in a patriarchal society from multiple perspectives. Like, it was important to the men in the film. It was important to the cis women in the film. It was important to the queer characters in the film it was important to the trans and non-binary characters in the film and they all existed in this really overtly patriarchal Society. setting yeah um and their stories played out on such a stage and it really kind of highlighted just how uh just how like our lives are all shaped by the system in which we live yeah
0: it's a beautiful film and I can't was, wait for more yeah. people to see it. I think if we're talking LGBT films and queer representation.
1: You make me laugh when you um Do I sound like I'm saying a sandwich? When you're an enunciator. No, it sounds like you're saying someone's name and their surname is BT. We're
0: <laughs> gonna go see um, our LG L G. BT. BT. <laughs> um So yes, there's work to be done. Um but do catch up on both Wildhood and In From the Side. Um not just because we interviewed the directors. Um, but, you know, there's a lot of scope there for... Just watch queer films, basically. Yeah. Um, uh, shall we move on to the next stage, then?
1: Go on, what's coming up next? Okay.
0: So let's discuss our TV highlights. So I am a... As listeners to our podcast know... Oh, the, I watch a lot more telly than you do. Is that fair? Very fair. I guess that's where you're, you've you got about 50 films more than me is because you watch more films than I do. Yes. I like some telly.
1: I bet in terms of hours watched, do you think you've watched more than 50 hours of TV?
0: More than 50? More
1: than 50 hours more than me.
0: Oh, 100%. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Highlights for me, I thought the final season of Derry Girls was great. thought the way it went I, out... That was... feels
1: like it's so long ago. I know, I know. When did it, when did it final?
0: Was it Easterish time, I think? Was like it... April, May thing, I think.
1: It didn't happen to coincide with the...
0: Good Friday Agreement something. Because that is... The final episode was about
1: that vote, wasn't
0: it? Yeah. And it surprised us, do you remember? It said we only thought it was six episodes and then they did a feature-length... I don't think I was paying seventh episode for that
1: to be a surprise.
0: Yeah. They were like, oh, surprise, we've got one more, Um, which was nice. Um, We started the year Strong with Four Lives, um, which I thought was great. And I always remember my dad was like... Like, speaking of people seeing queer stories, my dad was like, I was furious at that. I can't believe they did it. And Mm. my dad used to be in the police before he retired, and I think he saw the injustice that gay men... I'm sure he'll have seen it at face value throughout his career, but to actually see murders not being solved and them not picking up on four people, no, it was three three bodies all left in the same spot and they didn't think, oh, shoot, there's probably something going on there kind Mm. of thing. Um, That was great. I loved having Game of Thrones back on our screens with House of the Dragon. Um,
1: I'm so far behind on Game of Thrones.
0: We did say when we move in we might do a very slow rewatch, didn't we?
1: Yeah, I think it will take a couple of years, even if we do one episode a week. Though. Yeah,
0: yeah. But I just—I I've, know I've said it before, but I love the the political kind of elements of fantasy mm. when that when they're all jostling for the throne and all that kind of stuff. This is going to hurt. Did you watch that?
1: Yeah, I did. Every episode made me cry. Yeah um found it deeply compelling i thought it hit all the right notes yeah um not one for the squeamish lots of blood and blood and guts and birth
0: yeah Uh, yeah it's good though very very good heroin i would call it yeah um yeah um to see ben
1: wishaw was brilliant earlier. brilliant yeah
0: yeah amazing um i've also put peacemaker on the list of tv highlights i mean just for the credit dance sequence it. alone yeah. but if that's the kind of direction that james gunn is going to take the dcu in i would be very happy but that's partly that.
1: why i don't get why people are so like concerned about this like james gunn's suicide squad was brilliant yeah and so was peacemaker what else has he done in the past? In, in DC. Nothing in yet. DC
0: yet. But, well, like, look at Guardians. Two for
1: two, do you know he what I mean?
0: Pretty unknown Marvel characters in the comics and made them a lot of people's favourite parts of the Marvel Cinematic Universe so far. Yeah. So, yeah, great stuff. Andor was fucking amazing. Um, oh, brilliant. Just and, go
1: and check out the Andor episode oh, if you and watch curious. it. Like, like
0: God... It's getting a lot of awards, um, nominations, so I think a lot of people are starting to go to it when they didn't watch it because they've said, oh, well, if it's been nominated for all these, it must be good.
1: I think it's even good enough for non-Star Wars fans to enjoy. Yeah. Yeah. You have
0: to obviously like
1: a bit of sci-fi because it is very spacey, but you but don't have to be. Really, a,
0: it is, but it's
1: well, it's set in space on different planets. With, yeah,
0: it's spacey, in that, but it's not like Star Wars we've had before, no, is it? It's very. No. It's not like adult gunfights in the
1: galaxy. No, it's yeah. Very crime drama, um,
0: heist type. Yeah, just fantastic. Mm. We've got a. Uh, Marvel show on our highlights. What was it, Ned? On our list? She-Hulk. Yes. She-Hulk. Um... Really quite different to all the the other Marvel shows we've had. Um... If you look at the other shows that have come from Marvel this year, Moon Knight started quite well, and then I think it lost it a bit. Um... Miss I liked Moon Knight. It mm, wasn't like Highlight of the Year, though, was it?
1: Well, no, but I watched it all.
0: Miss Marvel started really strong, but I thought that got a bit generic and a bit lost by the I end. I liked that as well. Mm, but I think She-Hulk, that final episode, where they totally, not just broke the fourth wall, they totally, I mean, she crawled through... She didn't just break the fourth floor,
1: she broke all the other three Uh, as well. She
0: crawled through the Disney Plus home screen and went into Marvel Studios Mm. and spoke to Kevin, thinking Mm. we were... I actually thought we were going to see Kevin Feige acting in. But then when it was like a robot who...
1: Which would have been surprise enough.
0: But that was so good. There was sex. She had sex with Dad. I mean... Wouldn't you, though? You would, yeah. Yeah. Um, so, good to see... I wouldn't say Marvel have hit the heights of the first year of their Disney Plus stuff. Like, WandaVision was like...
1: WandaVision was good. I really liked Loki as well. I liked Loki a lot. And I'm um, excited to see season
0: two next year. Um, I never
1: made it past episode one of Falcon and the Winter Soldier, though.
0: No. But Hawkeye, I like that as well. That did run that into was this fun. year. Yeah, that was fun. Um, but, yeah, I just think that was great. I think probably m- m- my favourite show... Favourite show of the year for me would be between House of the Dragon and The White Lotus Season 2.
1: Well, I didn't watch House of the Dragon, so out of those two I would also choose... Or and or, Lotus. actually.
0: Um.
1: I liked Heartstopper because it made me feel 12 again in a good way this time. Um, Stranger Things, I'm just obsessed. obsessed Oh, God, yeah, me, forgetting about that. Brilliant. Yeah. Um, I think I preferred, if I'm going to put Stranger Things and Andor in the same category for some reason, I preferred Stranger Things.
0: Yeah. I think Stranger Things felt a lot more like an event, especially with how long some of the episodes were. And that episode where it has, I know a lot of it had Kate Bush's running up that hill in. Yeah. But when, oh, what's that character called? Where Vecna has her, but Max. then she, then she, Max, and then she runs out. Oh, that was like. That was brilliant. Probably one of the best episodes of TV it. this year. Like, if we're talking at an episode level. Yeah. Amazing. Um. And. I've also put the boys on, which I thought was great this season, really pushing boundaries. I mean, for God's sake. So many willies in it. In the first I thought was it episode one? In episode one, like, there's this gay gay superhero couple. And one of them can go really small, like Ant Man. Mm. And they have this coke fueled sex session thing. And he goes little. And he goes into this guy's willy as, like, a bit of a king wow. thing. And I, I couldn't believe what I saw, right? They took cocaine, and he had a bit on his nose whilst he was in the urethra. Yeah. 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 And he sneezes, which makes him grow big again, and he exploded the guy that he'd done it to. And I was like, oh, my God. I don't think I want to watch that. <laughs>
1: It was sort of, oh I was like,
0: oh, my jaw literally dropped. I was like, Jesus, God, that's like... That's a lot. Yeah, but that's the boys for you, which you're missing out on. Mm. Then he shows we missed, that we, everyone seems to be talking about that we didn't see. What's that? Not the boys. Bad boy?
1: No. Bad boys.
0: Yeah, the one with him from... uh, Plebs. No, the one from the wee gay fella and Dairy Girls, even though he's not gay.
1: Yes, yeah.
0: I'd like to go back and watch that, because everyone says that's amazing. Well, it's been... Um... Renewed. Yeah,
1: that's the word. I was going to say
0: greenlit. And more people, including myself, need to watch more Apple TV stuff, because everyone's raving about Slow Horses, um, Severance... What else is there? Oh, what else is on there? Bad Sisters with Sharon Horgan. That's meant Horgan. That's meant to be amazing. Shining Girls. Like more people really need to get Apple TV.
1: My social media knows that I don't watch TV because I don't get any of this pushed through my algorithm. Really?
0: That's interesting. You
1: get a lot of film stuff, obviously, but I've barely heard of Slow Horses.
0: Right. So shall we do shall we move on to Biggest Disappointments? Oh, I've been waiting for you to say those words. Go on then. You start. Um Oh, why have you got
1: Bullet Train on this list?
0: I can talk about that one. But Okay, well,
1: standout disappointment for me this year was don't worry, darling. Yeah. I think after we watched it I told just about everybody to go and see it but to not expect to feel any sense of fulfillment at the end because it looked fantastic it was a really great story the acting was on the most part pretty good particularly Florence Pugh yeah and all of the juicy drama going off in real life behind the scenes and then the last like half an hour which was the only bit that you got any insight into what was actually going on and then it just ended yeah it left me so cold.
0: Yeah. It was fine, but I just think the hype around oh. it was so big. But and it's then just I watched such it, a waste was like, of such good production it? value. I like, know. it
1: looked amazing, like, visually. The set was incredible. It was very magical. All the bright colours. And then the story was just yeah. floppy by the end. Yeah, it was. Well, nobody wants it to go floppy.
0: No, they don't. Um, I think for me, tied between the biggest disappointments is Jurassic World Dominion and Thor, Love and Thunder. If I think about what would be my biggest disappointment out of those two, I would probably go with Jurassic World, actually, because you've got all the cast back. You've got Laura Dern, Sam Neill, Jeff Goldblum. But the story was a frigging mess. I was, See? Like, this is stupid. And I know I it's think... a dinosaur film, so you've got to kind of just go with it anyway because it's dinosaurs. But, like, it was crap.
1: Yeah, but I think Jurassic World as a revival trilogy was bad anyway. I don't think the first one was. Oh. It, was it wasn't It was a Jurassic Park, though. Well, Jurassic in Park... In my opinion. The
0: first Jurassic Park is up there with a the classic, like... Mm. So you're always going to struggle with that, like, getting on that level again. Because The the Lost World and Jurassic Park 3 weren't on that level. But I would actually probably say I enjoy Jurassic, Jurassic Park 1, 2, and 3 better than any of these sequels that have come That's out. That's exactly
1: what I mean. And so, by the time we got to the third Jurassic World, I wasn't expecting it to be much. And what I got was not much. Yeah, but I, so was, I, disappointed.
0: I was expecting that cast. Oh, they've brought them all. to They've got all the band back together. Surely they're not going to waste this opportunity. And it was awful. I mean, true. it's I not think, did a I given. Give like,
1: I, think, I don't think that it is by any means a given that bringing back the legacy cast is going to make it a good film. No. You know what I mean? But
0: there was such opportunity there by doing that. Mm. And such a big deal was made for, like, about their cast coming back. And then that's what we got. Well, yeah,
1: because they needed to make people want to go and see it.
0: I know, but it was so disappointing. And it worked yeah. if it
1: hit the billion dollar mark.
0: Yeah. Only just. Yeah, but, like, still a billion.
1: even only just it's still 900 and odd million.
0: Yeah, yeah. Um, and then Thor, Love and Thunder, which, if you've listened throughout the year, I've touched on and hated upon for a while. And the more I think about it, it actually my star rating goes probably down further <laughs> because it was such a hateful, hateful uh, MCU film, film. Oh, I hated it, Ned. I thought it was so wasted. They put three storylines into one. Natalie Portman was terrible. It was like Tiger Waititi was just phoning it in. It was, oh, it was truly, truly terrible. And I think they're all aware because I've seen loads of articles like Chris Hemsworth now saying if he comes back to do for, Thor 5, which he will because mm. it was left on a bit of a Thor will return. He's even said he'd like to get a bit back to the more serious side of Thor. There was I think funny everybody. Bits, I, think... I remember thinking, I should find this funny, but I, I wasn't laughing.
1: laughing. The thing is, Thor was at his most popular when he started to lean into that funny side, and I think at this one, he just fell
0: way too far over. Yeah, yeah,
1: and lost a bit of like the actual thorness of it.
0: Thorness. <laughs>
1: yeah. Oh no!
0: Oh, the <laughs> sneezes here. The sneezes here. Um their
1: listeners won't know about that former sneeze because the why I dropped out the mic, oh, so yeah, thanks for that exposure.
0: And we also, which mm. I can't believe we did, we walked out of a film this year. Oh my god, I know. Would you like to tell them a little bit more about it?
1: So that what remind me the director's name. Michael Bay. That was Michael Bay's Ambulance.
0: And we've put an Instagram post out today about some of our Somebody. biggest disappointments just to kind of tease this episode to come in. Yeah. And People seem to really like this film. Who's so people, because like,
1: I've only seen one comment.
0: No, I don't even mean on Instagram. Like, no. people like this film. Say so Michael Bay's returned to form.
1: But it's ridiculous. It's, it, it's stupid. I, I was like... It's well, implausible. We're in a bad mood. Do you remember? Honestly, I think we might have been a bit tired that week, if I recall, but I've been tired a lot of the time at the cinema and never walked out. No. It was so stupid. It was vastly overuse of drones of drone, a vast overuse sorry yeah. of drones yeah um and then they were going at whatever like 80 miles an hour in the back of a an ambulance and she was performing heart open heart surgery or some shit like that or like stitching up his spleen but it wasn't even while real... on facetime to yeah. another surgeon
0: it was stupid wasn't it it really was It stupid. was just beyond ridiculous. And I don't know why I put it, it in stupid. biggest disappointments because I didn't have any expectations for it either, but I really did not like that film at all. Yeah.
1: Just worth um, telling that story, to be honest. Yeah.
0: And Bullet Train's on there.
1: Yeah, tell me about that, cause I because I quite enjoyed it. I...
0: enjoyed it.
1: As far as I... Let me tell you, as far as I'm concerned, the only disappointing thing about it is that once you've seen the trailer a couple of times, you've seen the
0: whole film that as well but that doesn't make it a bad film it's not a bad film no we don't as we said on our previous episode we're trying not to do like worst lists or whatever No, but i think the trailers were so good that i had such high expectations of the film and it and they weren't met
1: so whoever edited that trailer they
0: did a good job getting me in the cinema they earned their paycheck but then i was like oh I think, did we both give it three, I think it was a three star film yeah, for me. Yeah, I gave it a three star. But I wanted it to be like a four, four and a half, like I was expecting really good yeah. things.
1: I think I've had Christmas fever recently because I've been throwing fours left, right and centre.
0: <laughs> well, normally you throw up fives left, right and centre, so. Wow. <laughs> I don't generally use a five lightly. I think. Haven't you said you're going to get a bit harsher with... Well, I do uh, keep like, saying
1: you know, that, and then, then I throw a five star.
0: You're like, oh, Mrs. Five, that, that was to amazing. Paris. Couldn't it be better? Um, and then I've thrown a couple of disappointments TV-wise in there because Obi-Wan Kenobi started quite strong but was hateful in the end. I really didn't enjoy it. I thought it was just it was fanfare and nothing more i lot. remain
1: neutral on it to be honest
0: obi-wan kenobi should have been amazing and it was just oh is that it oh vader's back all oh, right okay and it ugh, i just really didn't like it and i just want disney plus and when they get their act together with star wars on the cinema again i want them to just brand new stories not connected to the skywalkers family saga at all I want to see fresh new things Mm. and I think that's the best way for them to go. Because it's a galaxy there must be multitude of untold stories that we've not seen but everything seems to be like, oh the only way we can get subscribers or get people in bums on seats in the cinema is to just do Skywalker stuff all the time and it's rubbish
1: Yeah,
0: I hated when they brought the Emperor back for episode 9 it was crap stop it Lucasfilm. So there was that. And then I've also put Rings of Power in there because this was a late addition to my disappointments and it's very like looking back on it. Mm-hmm. So when I watched it, I thought, it's alright. But obviously, if anyone knows me, Lord of the Rings films are like up there with my Oh, favorite yeah, on films Rings of, of Power.
1: Time. Now that we've watched all The Hobbit over the Christmas period, I'm going to watch Rings of Power. Well, that's year.
0: the thing as well. Now we've re watched The Hobbit films, which actually were better than I remember, they're not Lord of the Rings but they're better than I remember mm. looking at Rings of Power now I'm a bit like oh you weren't anywhere on par with that at all like for how much money they spent on it of course it looked gorgeous but I need something more than that so I have put that on and I would love to see what season two brings yes. like I'm not out, I'm not like totally done. i'm not watching anymore because it's middle earth and i love the characters and the stories and there's a lot of potential there but they need to tap into that potential a lot more for me yeah
1: okie dokie we're gonna go to an ad break now
0: we are and we'll be back with our top 10 films of the year as well as some honorable mentions which way around are we gonna do it honorable mentions first
1: let's do it yeah back after this Right then, who's on your honours list?
0: Okay, so let me just before we get into it, we had some rules with how we rank things when it gets to our top 10, and all that basically was was. Why don't we talk about the honourables first?
1: Yeah, otherwise it doesn't make any sense. No, but
0: I just want to say the rules were all of these had to have 2022 UK release date, and then when it comes to our top 10 in a second. After we've done honorable mentions, we both did our own individual top tens. Yeah. And then we Mine gave them... is
1: available on Letterboxd if you'd like yeah. to have a look.
0: Um, We both give them points. So, like, one had 10 points. And then we've kind of collated them together. Obviously, there's only two of us, so a couple of them.
1: Overlapped. So o- we just discussed those. Overlapped. And decided.
0: Or they would join, but we've kind of. Yeah. Spoke about it between us and decided what we thought was above. We had two ties. Not that we, we needed to it. chat much because no, we, were both, we agreed both agreed on which one was. But I wanted to mention that first before we get to Honorable Mentions because some of these are the ones that didn't, were in maybe our individual top tens, but they didn't make the, yeah. the overall. Yeah, that's okay. fair. So we started the year right in January with Belfast, which is a great film. Yeah. Um, should I just read them and then we can discuss? I don't know,
1: I don't understand how you've split up this list. I haven't
0: split them up, I just...
1: Why is there a gap in it?
0: There was a gap because I re- it was a repeat. Wow. okay. But we've got The Phantom of the Open, Belfast, Living, Black Panther Wakanda Forever, Turning Red, Bros, All Quiet on the Western Front, Good Luck to You Leo Grande, The Batman, The Good Nurse and Glass Onion. Well, we've talked a lot about
1: bros. We have already. Yes. So let's touch on
0: some of the others, shall we? So the Phantom of the Open for me, we both give five star. And looking back, I fucking loved it. I know you did, and it is. It's probably not a five star film for me, even though I give it five. But it's. I a feel great like feel when you good. say
1: that, you're just trying to justify it, but. A five star doesn't have to be a massive blockbuster with a shitload of explosions. I know. To me, a five star, if a film hits every mark that it's aiming for, there's no reason not to give it a five
0: star. And it was good, wasn't it? And it was good. We laughed. We saw it with my mum and dad, and we were all just... It was one of those films where you don't really have a lot of expectations, really.
1: It was so heartwarming. It was, yeah. It was full of northern accents. (laughs) Flippin' exactly. Um, Mind your language on the
0: course. (laughs) So I would definitely. That was just us.
1: It wasn't actual clips from
0: the film. No, it wasn't. No. Um, Yeah, it was great. Um...
1: And I think it was. No, I was going to say it was my first recognition of Mark Rylance, but actually he was in that. Don't look up.
0: He was so. Yeah. Scratch that. Uh, Living. Oh, another
1: one, Mm. really, really nice. We saw that
0: as the opening of Leeds Film Festival, didn't we? Yeah, Yeah. that
1: was um, Bill Nye taking a journey of acceptance of his terminal diagnosis and doing what little he could to improve the lives of others in the community. And it was just so special and cute. Yes. Very much Would so. recommend everyone see it. And that girl from um what's her name? Amy Lou Wood. Yes. From, yes. Sense from Sense Sense education. Was in yeah, there she too. was great. Brilliant.
0: Um no no superhero films made our top ten, but we've got Black Panther Wakanda Forever and The Batman in our honourable mentions.
1: Were they in either of our top ten lists? I feel like The I Batman was in Panther, my top ten list. I feel like I put Black Panther in mine.
0: Did you? I've got them here. You didn't.
1: Oh well, it was when I was putting them all in. It must have just been chucked out. It was on the
0: maybe pile. We liked though. Black Panther a lot, didn't we? It brought it really us, did. brought me back to the MCU, and it made me have faith in it after Thor: Love and Thunder. Yeah. Um Really good story. I think it dealt with the death of Chadwick Boseman really well. Um, it great cast. Angela Bassett was phenomenal. Um Letitia Wright was amazing as the new Black Panther. Um Tenok Huata as I've ever got his name. Namor was a great villain. Mm. Um just all round great star. Yeah, cracking. And the Batman, I mean, that was in my top ten list. Yeah. And three hours of to me exactly how batman should be i
1: think for me batman is a perfect example of why it's so important to see blockbusters at the cinema because i can't imagine enjoying it as much as i did at home
0: that i mean some amazing sequences i mean the way it was shot in that nightclub was like the the... But
1: that's what I mean. I like needed... The
0: car chase The was... trouble
1: is, I needed the darkness of the cinema to see what was going on on screen. If I tried to watch that at home, there'd be reflections here, there and everywhere and I'd see nothing.
0: Yeah, you'd have to watch it when it's dark, wouldn't you? And I'd
1: need the subtitles on. Yeah. So, because, you know, I lip read quite a bit, <laughs> apparently.
0: <laughs> yeah. Um, but just all around great, and I can't wait to see... James Gunn, talking of DC, has said that that side of Batman... Whether it gets folded into the main DCU, we don't know, but it's safe. That Robert Pattinson's version. Yeah. We've got some T V spin offs coming as well. Um right. on HBO Max, which we'll get on Sky Atlantic. So that whole I'm excited to see more of this Gotham from what's we've seen. Yeah. Um Glass Onion, I've put as an honourable mention you know, late to the list, but really, really, really enjoyed it. Yeah. So well-written, screenwriting 101, where it just unfolds itself, peels itself as an onion, you you could say. Um, Reveals
1: each layer.
0: Yeah. Like Shrek. <laughs> um, foreign language film, All Quiet on the Western Front. Harrowing, I'm going to use that word again, but just... Not
1: enough people realise it's foreign language, though, because no. Netflix does du- default... To a dub. To an English dub.
0: So you're seeing Germans speak English, which is a bit weird. Well, all anywhere, you're seeing but...
1: is just, like, people with posh 1940s British ac yeah. no, 1920s British accents.
0: But what makes this film... I mean, Not the
1: 1920s, of... is it 19-teens?
0: There's a, lot of pe- there's a lot of things going for this film, but I do think what's interesting is for us to see a film from the the German Nazi perspective and how... It wasn't Nazi yet. Oh, sorry. Just the German perspective, yeah. which in a lot of war films, you know, the are the baddies that just get shot or whatever. But in this, it was like, doesn't matter what side of the war you're on, if you're low down in rankings, we're all just pawns to Think what it political, did. ...political yeah. uh, means and egos, aren't we?
1: It revealed the... Yeah, exactly that, like... We are at the mercy of essentially the aristocracy. Yeah. When they have their petty fights about rich people problems. Yeah.
0: Just yeah, just yeah. amazing. But I think between that and then nineteen seventeen a couple of years ago, war films
1: I still haven't seen that.
0: Are great. I really need when there really are kind of a, a proper critique of everything war yeah um so i would really look at that on netflix if you've not seen that because it's yeah. amazing do you like to pick another one out of our honorables
1: uh good luck to you leo grand
0: yeah um
1: great film really enjoyed it really tender um
0: emma thompson like Oh, yeah. I said it and I said it. I know it sounds almost a bit demeaning, but to say she's got some balls for what she did, she really does. She stood naked in front of a mirror.
1: As a middle aged woman. I know.
0: You don't don't see a lot of stories like this. And like
1: I can't speak for middle aged women who watched it, but I would like to think that you know, similar to how I was saying earlier about like seeing yourself on screen is so important to us as queer people. I'd like to think that middle-aged women seeing themselves on screen is as important as And, you know, them.
0: we've got a few middle-aged women that are very important in our lives, and I just think to see their stories or their perspective on life when they're at that age and they're devo- divorced and they still like sex and they still want to have some form of kind of sexual awakening mm. in the 40s and 50s and yeah. older... Like, stories like that don't get... Especially that it went on the cinema as well. It's just an all-round, really, really, really good film. Yeah. Um, And... Yeah, Emma Thompson. Lover. Mm, mm. Dame. Emma Thompson. Great stuff. Um,
1: In the same kind of... um, I couldn't think of a fun segue into this, but, like, different
0: age group... Are you going to go to Turning Red? They're learning
1: learning about your body, learning about yourself, Turning Red... I thought it was a fantastic puberty story. It's Pixar not all puberty about a puberty story, though. It's yeah, like, well, exactly. Bold. It's why it's so fantastic.
0: Yeah, I know. Yeah. She turns into a panda, which basically is like she's come on a period. There's even a scene where the mum's like, oh, there's that happening. Like, mm. you've started your period. No, she's turned into a bloody big, massive red panda. And yeah. it's just so well taught. Like, to take... Those themes, and to make it into a story that anyone could watch, and to me, if like if we when we and have... it
1: still hit all of the Pixar yeah. buttons that you wanted like if it to If we have hit. kids
0: and you want and you had a you had a daughter to maybe open up a conversation about puberty and periods and getting older.
1: Well, especially for us
0: as two dads, yeah.
1: Nobody's going to have that direct experience of periods and So things. if we
0: have a daughter and she's about 9, 10, 11, we'll go, should we put Turning Red on Disney Plus? <laughs> and it might... May... But do you know what I mean? Like, well, we yeah. always say, don't we, films that inspire conversation or capture a moment that's going on in the world, like, it it really did. Yeah. And the animation style on it was beautiful as well. Oh, that's gorgeous. And I, and I, and I do hate that this one went straight to Disney Plus i almost understand why it did because it was early in the year we were still kind of in pandemic type times Mm. and it is a bit of a risk and it probably wouldn't have done very well at the box office let's be honest Mm. especially the way the current box office looks but great um we've spoken about bros quite a bit when we're talking about queer stuff but
1: definitely worth keeping it in the honorable mentions here though um... and then the
0: last one I, i put in was the good nurse um, which I don't think a lot of people have seen because it's, you know, it was on Netflix. It's quite a niche film, but it was just Do you the know, what two I think? performances. And to have it from the female, the friend perspective of, of Jessica Chastain. I mean, I love Jessica Chastain so much, but Same. she was just really, really great.
1: And as a film, like, if you're a bit of a nerd about what goes on off screen... One of my favourite things about The Good Nurse is how they helped Jessica Chastain embody a nurse with a heart condition. Oh, they put that. And they put that little earpiece in her ear and they'd play like a heartbeat, racing every time that this nurse was supposed to be experiencing the symptoms of her heart condition. Um, And listening to how that affected how she played the part, I liked that yeah i liked it a lot and it made me like watch the film as a piece of art rather than just a story if you could ever say such a thing
0: yeah how long have we been going
1: god we've been going for an hour and five minutes
0: i knew this was going to be a long episode you were a bit like oh what can we talk about as a review of the year but i knew it would be a well i wanted to try and structure it a little bit so we didn't ramble We're not
1: rambling. No, I know we're not rambling. I just wanted to offer my two cents in our planning phase, but as always, you already had a solid plan. I did.
0: Shall we move on to the top ten then?
1: The reason we're all here.
0: Number ten.
1: It's after sun.
0: It is after sun. A really quiet, almost, you're watching somebody's, life somebody described it a lord of postcards
1: no somebody described it as a painting and each kind of scene is a brush stroke and it's as if you're watching a painting being painted like you you don't don't really tell what it is until it's there yeah and i can't think of a better way to put that can't really credit anyone for the idea because i don't know where we saw it it was on youtube somewhere yeah um but that really got me thinking actually um and it made total sense
0: and a film that doesn't leave you for quite a while after seeing it as well
1: now i still think about it yeah i do feel like i've got to know some complete strangers i think it's on quite a personal level
0: paul mascal's performance is phenomenal oh, um i love him i think um just the way
1: it... oh my god that one's queer representation as well is there? Well, it turns out that she has a a female partner at the end.
0: Oh yes, yes, very true. Um, Spoiler alert! But yeah, um, watch it and put your phone on do not disturb and just watch it. Yeah, you don't want to be
1: distracted on this. No,
0: because it it it's a film you could very easily get distracted by. But if you're into films and you don't mind a film being quite low key and quiet, go for it. Because by the end when you step back taking that metaphor when you step back and look at the full painting at the end you will be yeah
1: and it is it's one to concentrate on but it's not too long yeah so you don't need to worry about concentrating for longer than you can
0: number nine
1: number nine is the northman
0: it certainly is and i an epic Love this film like it didn't make your top I think this came in due to my top 10 because it was quite high in mine Yeah, and I just thought Robert Eggers has been given a bigger budget he's absolutely gone for it he's not changed like the way he directs films he's not kind of thought oh if this needs big box office um uh, how do I say it, you know, if I've got a bigger budget, I've got more responsibility to kind of rein it in a bit. He totally did not. And it's wacky, <coughs> it's batshit crazy, the visuals are phenomenal, um, and just, yeah. I can't really say any more about that film, to be honest.
1: I mean, other than to repeat what we've probably already said before, in that it like it lies in the ilk of Things like Gladiator and another... What's it? I don't Um, know.
0: But yeah, it did. Like, just brilliant.
1: Old-timey. Massive adventure. Yeah, I probably can't add anything else, so I'm not going to go on.
0: Cool. Number eight, then. Late to the party. Avatar, The Way of Water. I think you should talk about this one. Why? Well, you liked it more than me. I I did did like it a lot, but I thought from a cinematic point of view, you know.
1: Do you know, it took, from the word go, it took me in and it kept me on tenterhooks until well into the credits rolling.
0: Yeah. It was great to be back on Pandora. I was on
1: Pandora. I was learning about the planet, the ecosystem, the awa like, ah, oh, just all of it. And it set itself it... up so well yeah. for the rest of the saga.
0: I listened back to our episode and I thought, if these Avatar films really capture what's going on with the environment and the world through the 2020s, I think it's really tapping into something there. Which
1: I kind of I don't see how they couldn't. No, I know.
0: Yeah. Knowing making...
1: that he's kind of written these over the last couple of years when people are finally <coughs> seeing the light on climate change, um, and environmental degradation. Like I can't see it not being, you know, one of the most relevant film franchises of our time.
0: Yeah. And that's so why it's for, in the top ten. For no Pop culture impact when it's currently at around 1.2 billion, and it's probably going to make. I would say, wouldn't I? Wouldn't be surprised now if it ends up on about two billion. So let the James haters Cameron eat their words. I'm not going to give us them all any of time. the Avatar films that that you uh, have planned, and yeah, go yes. for it. Can't wait for more. Number seven is she said. Yeah. Um, now I love kind of a newsroom drama. Me too. Um, I loved. Oh, what's that film?
1: Get me Erin Brockovich. What's that other one? Get me Spotlight. Thought Spotlight, Spotlight was fantastic.
0: You've really not seen see Spotlight, it. have you? About no. the uncovering of the Catholic Church and the, the no, things. No, I haven't. It. But that it was very much that ilk, and I think we've mentioned on a previous episode. It, it was told from the perspective of the women and the victims rather than giving any attention to Harvey Weinstein and yeah. the other abusers within Hollywood. Um, yeah. Excellently acted by all involved. Um, and just go watch it, because it's, it's great.
1: It is, yeah.
0: Number six, Ned? X.
1: <laughs> just brilliant. Yeah. it oh, A film that proved its own point. You can make a good dirty movie.
0: Yeah, you can. Yeah, we loved it. I remember thinking that sense of dread. I remember that scene where she, she she gets in the water and the alligator is almost stalking her, and she just gets out of the water. And, and yeah. I was on like ten hooks. So I was like, oh my god! And it just sold. Oh. Like you were just sold, weren't? I absolutely I'd loved totally it. Loved the film, and
1: and I can't wait for Pearl. the sequels.
0: Yeah, is a prequel. I think Pearl's a prequel. I'm not sure what's happening with the other one.
1: Is it called Maxine?
0: Yes, yeah, and I think Pearl's a March released date now in the UK. okay, Jenna um, Ortega, brilliant, obviously now she's gone on to bigger things with Wednesday and holding that franchise up mm-hmm. um, but just a great, great horror film that I adored, um, yeah, and I don't think it's often that horror films necessarily make it into a top ten list, but
1: no it's quite a niche genre, I mean, it was really
0: really high on yours, um your individual one, um yeah, I think I put it third you did. Um, loved it But yeah, great film.
1: Tell me what's at number 5.
0: Number 5 is was it was it Danish film, I think, Swedish? Where's Oslo? Norway. Norwegian film, I think. Yeah, because um, the they were talking about Oslo. Yeah. Um very strong sense of place. You felt like you were living in Oslo with the characters. Yeah. Again, a film that not really about much, other than just no. following somebody's life. And but... for a film
1: that's not about much, it was surprisingly long in its run time. Oh, but yeah, don't let me, don't let <laughs> that fool you into thinking that's criticism because actually it finished and I could have probably sat through at least another hour and a half just watching yeah, this just girl live a life it? like, really, really cool. Yeah. Am I boring you?
0: No, sorry. No, I just needed no. to reply to something. Sorry. Okay. But yeah, really, really, like, foreign language film, and I've told, I've said on this podcast since Parasite, I'm sorry, none of us are ever saying again, and I can't watch subtitles, because loads of our generation watch Netflix with subtitles. I was going to anyway. say, you're all so, liars
1: anyway. Everybody's got uh, Netflix set as default with subtitles on.
0: Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Um. But yeah. Number four.
1: Nope. Nope. Um, Oh, I thought you were going to like joke then. Why won't you tell us what's at number four?
0: What is at number four? Nope.
1: Answer me. (laughs) Um, Silly.
0: Jordan Peele's follow-up to Get Out and Us. Us. So original and so...
1: So fucking
0: weird. Weird, but just big... Blockbuster type filmmaking on an original scale. A completely original story, shot amazingly, so intriguing,
1: and two incredible lead performances. Yeah,
0: oh, like Kiki Palmer in that. I mean, Daniel Kaluuya always. I mean, is phenomenal in everything he does, but I think Kiki Palmer is. I think some people say, oh, well, she's a comedic actor, you know, not, mm. you know, she's not put in amazing, but, but she was so good and so funny, um, and just a a great summer film, I think it came out in July, um, it's just amazing, I loved it. yeah. <gasps> We're into the top three now. Oh, my God. Do you want to do number three?
1: Bronze Position, mm. The Woman King.
0: The woman king, yeah, not the woman king. King, the woman king. Um, Viola Davis's magnum opus, as she called it. That's your
1: phrase of the year. I love it. You said it three times. And I, I just read it, and then it when I read
0: when she, I read the interview. And she was like, "This is my magnum opus, which is like your best ever thing." And when I watched it, I thought, "Absolutely, it <laughs> totally up. was." Like, yeah, I think there's been some kind of unfair criticism about the story and about how it kind of shows slavery, that the tribe that wasn't involved in slavery, but I didn't get that from it. I, got I didn't that, get that either. They were all kind of involved, but they had, kind of had to be because there was no other way to operate and they were very conflicted about it. And whether or not that's true, you know, we only go off history books and they're not perfect either. But and... this
1: was trying to tell a story that's not told in the history books yeah so like yeah you can you can know what you know from the books but the books don't tell you everything and you know some books are more popular than others
0: yeah and i just thought the action was amazing lashana lynch is having an amazing time oh yeah like and her performance really this year, strong I mean, point in her career head we've had She's been in The Woman King, she was in Matilda, she's got some range mm. with her roles, and I can't wait to watch her career um moving forward either. Me neither. So top two we're on two now. And the
1: silver medal goes to.
0: So these were tied, but we as we said earlier, we agreed on it.
1: We didn't even really have to had to like discuss it though. No, we just went I just said what I thought and you were like, yeah, I was yeah, gonna I'm say angry. that.
0: So number two is what I have called a saviour of cinema, (coughs) Top Gun Maverick. True, blockbuster cinema, at its best, corny in parts, daft but just over the top. It knows exactly what it is. It was on show with how it was all, they were all in the jets and it was like you wanted to get up out of your seat and clap at p- times. It was just, yeah. And I'm so happy to see it make so much money because that had rewatchability. I mm. mean, we've seen, I've seen it three times. Have you seen it twice in the cinema? Twice, yeah. And it's just every time... It- Oh, I just love it, and Tom Cruise is amazing. And I know people are like oh Scientology, looking at you, Patrick, my brother. But if you leave all that to aside, I think um, it was just amazing. I remember I, it was, you know, I almost felt emotional. It was like a religious experience being in that IMAX screen. Oh, God. No, it was. It was like being in that IMAX screen after all the shit we've been through in the last few years with COVID and not being able to enjoy that communal experience in the cinema. It was packed. My mum and dad drove down to watch it with us and my brother. And we were just like, fuck me. That was class. Two hours of entertainment. Just, yeah.
1: a Religious experience.
0: Genuinely. Genuinely. Spiritual, transcendent experience. (laughs) Which, going now onto our favourite film of the year. Drumroll, please. Everything, (laughs) everywhere, all at once.
1: Oh, my God, I can't say enough good about this. Uh, I absolutely loved it. It was hilarious. It was complex Um, it was weird it had some of the best actors in it and oh it was just it was understated in the most perfect way and it was over the top in all of the best ways
0: but it was like you were like what the hell is happening and then it had that meaning of like what's the word where you think negatively of the world the donut? Nihilism, yeah, Yeah. it had that. Like, no, it was almost like it made you question, oh, well, nothing matters really in the scale of the multiverse, so just crack on and get on with your life and just enjoy it. But then it had that message, it's like, nothing matters,
1: oh no, nothing matters. But then you're like, oh shit, actually, nothing matters, let's just do it. But
0: so entertaining with that message as well. Like, yeah, I mean, we had sausage fingers. We had dildo fights, we had people jumping on top of butt plugs, we had real just stupid shit. So, like so stupid Jamie bad. Lee Curtis looked like she was having the time of her life. We had that ratatouille bit, but it wasn't ratatouille, it was a There's raccoon. A raccoon. In head. Like oh, just And the fact that it did well and A twenty four like marketed it so well, the give it an IMAX release which for a small independent film you don't did get very often. We didn't see it on IMAX oh, but it did I was have an say, IMAX release. And it's just a great original story that doesn't happen very often anymore and it was just overall a fantastic perfect five-star film.
1: And extra kudos for having a uh, openly bisexual character.
0: Very much so, yeah. So
1: a win on all fronts, if you ask me.
0: Do you think that's us done then? Just go watch these films, guys, if you're not... Oh, fucking yeah. do it. Yeah. And what a year we've had. <laughs> <laughs> no, that's not actually the right script. but. And that's all for this time. 2022, it's over. If you've enjoyed this episode of Gaze on Film, please subscribe, rate and comment on your podcasting platform of choice. Don't forget to follow us on Instagram and Twitter. We we're at Gaze on Film Pod. Search for us on Letterboxd.
1: Links are in the show notes. Yeah.
0: We'd love to hear your thoughts. So, f- can't get my words out. Especially on so all do, of these. So Do feel free to drop us a message and tell us what your favourite films of this year have been. I have been Declan.
1: And I have been Ned.
0: And this has been Gaze on Film. See you in 2023. Thanks for listening. Happy Bye. New Year.
1: Happy New
0: Year. Bye. Bye.